0: Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's young adult ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. So remember, as we move forward, God has not told Abram yet that Ishmael is not the promised son. He's going to break this news to him coming up here. At this point, Abram's thinking, great, we'll get circumcised. We'll move forward. Abram, Ishmael's going to be the, the, the chosen son, and we're going to do this thing. Uh, but, but that would leave Sarah on the sidelines. And that's not what God wants. Verse 15. And God said to Abram, or Abraham, which is going to take me a while to get used to that. God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but you shall call her Sarah. And that shall be her name. Now, Sarai and Sarah both mean princess. So it's thought here that Sarai is really more of an endearing nickname. Something like a father would call their cute little daughter, oh, my little my little princess. She'd be like that little princess. Ain't she cute? She's just a little princess. He's like, she's not going to be called little princess anymore. She's going to be called princess. Authentic, bona fide princess. Royalty. That's how I see her, and that's how you're going to address her, Abram. And I love that he's taking Abram... He's taking Sarai's reputation up in Abram's eyes because at this point, Abram's thinking, well, I love, I love her, but apparently God wanted Hagar to be the one to, be, to mother this next nation, and God's like, no. Stop thinking of Sarai as just your little cute princess. She is, she is royalty in my eyes. You're not just a pretend princess. You're, you're a bona fide royalty. You're still very much a part of this calling, he would say to Sarai. You will be the mother of this chosen nation. Verse 16, I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. God doesn't have short term memory loss. He's not repeating himself accidentally. He says, I will bless her twice because he wants to get this through to Abraham. Um, Kings of people shall come from her. 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? Now, he hears this plan, and his initial reaction is like, What? That's funny. That's just hilarious. And I think that there's a lot of laughter surrounding Isaac's birth. Um, Abraham just laughs at the thought. I mean, it is humorous to think that a man who has, let's just say, lost his abilities in that department would be like, bam, one day, he's like. And Sarah, Sarah looks at him like, what are you thinking? Get away from me, you know. Get away from me, you old fool. And he would have this, it's funny to think that in their old age. It's funny to think that a 99-year-old woman would, be, would have a baby and be walking around. And you'd see her from behind, and you're like, oh, she's just an old lady. She's really struggling. And she she turned, whoa. She's struggling because she's pregnant not because she's old. It's just funny. And think about the guests that would come and, you know, uh, whose baby is that when they would have a baby? Is that your granddaughter? It's our daughter. Really? It's your daughter? It's just funny. And I think, I think that God understands the humor in it. I love that God doesn't rebuke Abraham. He's not, he's not like, what are you laughing at? You shall like like, Zechariah, you will be mute for not believing me. Like, he doesn't rebuke Abraham. He's like, I think God knows it's funny. He understands, like, the humor in it. Even Sarah will laugh in the next chapter. And he'll be like, why did you laugh in the tent? She's all, oh, uh, I didn't laugh. He's all, no, you thought it was funny. No, I got you. The, you, know, you know it's funny. And, and not only does God understand the humor in it, but I think... God, in fact, I know God saw the joy and, and the, the repair Isaac would bring to this marriage and to this family and to this promise. And so God, God will call him Isaac, which means laughter. Verse 18, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. God said, No. God says no sometimes, guys. Just flat out, sometimes he, he has to say just no to you. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to understand that God has the, he am among uh, above everybody reserves the, the right to tell you no. And to tell me no. But what we should understand about God's no is because he has, often he says no because he has something better for us. We should be able to rejoice in the no in the closed doors of God as much as the open doors. Understanding that his love is just so much a part of the plan. That he has plans for us. He says no to Abram. Abram had 13 years of this expectation. Do you realize that? 13 years of pouring into this boy like this is the promised child. And in one word, it's shattered. No, that's not going to happen. That is not going to take place. He says, but Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. And he shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So Abram, he hears this... he and Sarah are going to have a kid and he laughs. But then, I, I said, as, I'm, as I'm picturing this play out in my mind, I could be wrong, but it seems like all of a sudden it strikes him, what about Ishmael? What, what about my son that I love? Now, some commentators have said, like, they thought maybe he was being rebellious. Like, he laughs at God's plan and he's like, what about Ishmael? I don't think he was being, I don't, I don't sense that in Abram's heart, especially with the way God responds so gently to him. I really truly believe Abram is responding out of love for his son, for his boy. And I want to tell you guys, it's, it's incredible the love that you have for your children when you become a parent. It's just, it's just amazing. And one of, the, one of the frequent concerns parents have when they're expecting another child is, man, am I going to be able to love this baby As much as I loved my first kid. I'll tell you, we have five kids. And I thought that with the second and third kid. By the time we hit Channing, the fourth kid, I was like, I know. I've already known. I'm not a a rookie. I'm going to love this kid too. But you do. You wonder. Because you love your kids so much. And I can tell you that with each successive kid, God gives you more room in your heart. And I can't, we have, like I said, we have five kids. I can't imagine life without any of them. They're all so dear and precious to me. But I really believe Abram is—he's is, he's worried because of the love he has for his son. I, I, I want great things for Ishmael. I was hoping great things for Ishmael. What does this mean? Is Ishmael just a mistake in your eyes, God? And I, I, as a side note, some, a thought I had this morning as I was going over my notes is that if ever there was a time for God to be like, "You shouldn't have this baby." This baby is not in my will. This baby was a mistake. This baby was you operating in the flesh. Maybe you should figure out how to abort this baby. Wouldn't that be the circumstance? But no. God had willed Ishmael's birth even though it was not a part of His promise and plan. Something you need to understand about conception is every child that is ever conceived in the womb regardless of circumstance is ordained by God. And every life in the womb is one that God sees and knows. And in the Psalms, it says, he, He's numbered their days before there were any of them at conception. But here is Ishmael brought to the age 13. And Abram's like, Well, what does this mean, God, about Ishmael? Let him live before you. As though God was going to maybe strike him dead. And Abram's like, God's like, Abram, I hear you. I hear, I hear your prayers. Another side note. Fathers, your prayers are powerful for your children. If you if you mentioned grow up and God bless you with kids, know that God, your, your, your fervent prayers for your kids are, are heard by God. He says, I will, I will bless him. I will make him a great nation, but he will not be the son of promise. He will not be what you were hoping he would be. You see, Ishmael represented in Abram's life the work of the flesh. He conceived uh, this son and he spent this last 13 years pouring into him as a promised son. This was like his little champ. Come here, tiger. Come here, champ. You know, like his, his pride and joy. Like that, the baseball coach that always sticks his kid at shortstop. Like, yes, because he's the coach's kid. I was playing shortstop. I was in Little League. I'm a little bit salty about it. I'm a little bit bitter. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, this, was, this was his Ishmael, right? Similar to how we'll see Isaac favor Esau over Jacob. This was like his pride, his joy. And we can can do this. We can step outside of God and and really take pride in something, right? Really pour into something that God didn't necessarily want for us. And don't be surprised if God loosens your grip on those things that you're so proud of. Don't be surprised if you have these, these things in your life that you know bring you glory rather than God. And God's like, Okay, I know you're good at that. I know you're very gifted in that, but that's kind of an Ishmael for you. That's not what I'm going to use. In fact, the Bible tells us it's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. Don't be surprised if God ends up using you in the area that you least expected. You know, I, I as a, a singer-songwriter, I was terrified to get up in front. I used to have social anxiety, actually. I had super bad social anxiety before I ever got saved, I, like, I struggled to go to grocery stores because I didn't want to talk to a cashier. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And I started playing guitar, and I'd, I would sing, and I would never do it in front of anyone. And then God plugged me into some Christian fellowship, and I got saved, and he started pushing me down this road. And I remember the first time I was supposed to play at like this event, and I was so terrified. My pit sweat marks were like Huge. If you sweat if you sweat when you 're nervous like me, it was like horrible and and God got me through it, and I realized, man, God is choosing to use me in an area of weakness to get up when i couldn 't do this before that 's ernie calling me that 's who that is i 'll be there sorry, yeah, my fault that 's my phone, so anyway, where was I yeah, Ishmael so Ishmael. Ishmael was also, a problem with Ishmael also was he was God's. He was Abraham's contribution to God's covenant. Remember, God was like, this is my covenant. I'm going to fulfill it 100%. And Abraham's like, but well, here, I help. Here, let me contribute. And God's like, no, it cannot, it doesn't work that way. And as Christians, we, we tend to do this a lot. We bring a lot of Ishmaels to God. We At Ignition here, we have the six practices of discipleship that we like to teach you guys so that you know what it looks like to walk in discipleship with Christ. And it's six practices, six practical things that we do. Worship, read, pray, serve, give, and commune. These are things that as we do out of the joy of salvation, we will grow in our walk with Christ. But be careful with this list, y'all, because this can be an Ishmael. All of a sudden, like what you began to do because you wanted to grow in your walk, all of a sudden becomes your contribution to your salvation well, Lord, I bread every day this week and I tithe. I even tithed this week. That was a tough one, but I did it and I didn't sock that customer that came in. I didn't punch him in the face when I wanted to so bad. Man, I must be really awesome in God's eyes. That's an Ishmael to you. That's an Ishmael for you. Anything we try to add to God's covenant apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ is not received. It's an Ishmael and God, God won't receive it because it doesn't work that way. It'll be wood, hay, and stubble at the beam of seed of Christ. It'll burn away. Verse 22. When he had finished talking with him, God went up from Abraham. Then Abraham took Ishmael his son and all those born in his house or bought with his money every male among the men of Abram's house and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskins on that very day. Has your boss ever called you to do something very difficult? <laughs> Herdsman, come here. I got got a tough conversation to have with you. So uh, God spoke to me, and uh, you'll never guess what he told me to do. (laughs) Right? So uh, he was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised, 26. uh, I don't have to keep saying that word. Uh, that the very day Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised and all the men of his house, those born in the house and those brought, uh, bought with money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. So Abraham just obeys. I love his level of obedience. Again, he, he obeyed God because he believed God enough to do what he said. That, that was true faith in practice. And I love that about Abraham. What an, Man, what a hard calling, right? And what a leader he must have been to get his whole household to do this with him. Honestly, like they must have really believed in the God Abraham believed in. They must have really believed Abraham heard from the living God. And they must have been willing to follow Abraham wherever. Wherever. (laughs) You know, that's crazy. But something uh, Hebrews 11 says that's interesting about Abraham Abraham and Sarah now Uh, Verse 13, it says this. These, Abraham and Sarah, all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles in the earth. See, I don't know if you realize this, but Abraham never really got to see this come to fruition. He got to meet, he saw Isaac, obviously, he even saw most of his grandkids, um, I think up until Joseph. He got to He lived it up until that time, but he didn 't get to see a nation he didn 't get to see them possess the land. He had to believe in faith, but in god 's eyes they, it didn 't matter it was still his in god 's eyes it didn 't matter abram was he was still the father of multitudes of nations and what I love about this as God renames them as God gives them new names, you think you 're little princess, but you are a queen. You think you are one father. You're, you're, you're going to be the father of many. You see, when God looked at Abraham in the land of Ur of Chaldeans, childless, he saw a father of many. When God saw Sarai dwelling in tents, he's like, you're a, you're a princess fit for a castle while she was dwelling in tents still. When God looked at a 12-year-old boy named David, he saw a king. In this boy, he saw what David would become. When he looked at this murderous, legalistic Saul of Tarsus, he saw this gentle, humble man of grace named, that would become Paul. And as you sit right now before God, he sees you in everything he intends you to be. He sees it completed. He sees it already done. And he has a new name for you that will match what He's completing in your life. In Revelation chapter 2, we're told that Christians who complete the race, Christians, the Christians who endure, will get a white stone on it in heaven with their, a new name written on it that only that person understands. And if you finish your race, you'll get this stone and there'll be a name written on that. What will that be, I wonder? Now, there are different theories as to what this new name means, but I think a good possibility and what I truly believe it is is it's the name that is associated with the fulfillment of God's promise to who you, who you would become, to all He intended you to be. You have a name now, named by your mother or your father, and they might have even been close to what God intended you to be, like an Abram or a Sarai, but you will receive a stone one day to receive the full fulfillment of who, who you're supposed to be. And I want to tell you guys, when we get to heaven, it says, the Bible says that we will know even as we are known. In a moment that you enter into, into glory, all of your expectations will be fulfilled in that moment. What a thought. Every expectation and anticipation, bam, will be fulfilled. Every question that you have will be answered. All of God's promises will be fulfilled, and it will be better than you could ever comprehend or imagine. It's going to be so amazing. And I, I, I think when we get there, guys, we're just, I think we're going to laugh. Like, I think we'll get into heaven and just, like, laugh because of joy. It'll feel so good to be in God's presence. To see the shadows and confusion and the heartache on this side of heaven makes so much sense when we get there. You're just, it's going to feel, you're going to be overwhelmed with joy and laughter. And you, you're, you're going, you won't be able to stop smiling it's going to be so amazing. And when you receive that white stone with that new name on it, I really believe we're just going to look at that thing and just smile and laugh because like we'll look at that thing and be like, of course. Like, of course, that's what my name was. As though it was like an inside joke between you and the Lord. The whole, and you, maybe you should have known the whole time, but it was, it's right there. This is who you are to me. This is who I was calling you to be your whole life. And this is who you are now. The fulfillment of, what an amazing day that's going to be, guys. I really I look forward to this day. This is the hope that keeps us going, right? The hope of heaven, the hope of Christ. My hope and prayer is that every one of you in this room, every one of you listening to this message will get to that point where you receive that white stone. And you see that you see all God intended you to fulfill, fulfilled. But I want you to know, in fact, you need to know that if you haven't received Jesus to be your savior, that day will not come for you. The fulfillment, the expectations will all fall short. The Bible says the expectations of the wicked will perish. And if you do not have Christ, you do not want to know the names written down about you. The books written of all your actions apart from Christ. Those who have Christ it's, it's, it's done away with. Your record is stricken and you have this amazing title in the kingdom of heaven. But for those who, who reject Christ, it says that the books will be opened and the offenses will be read before you. And you'll have to give an account for every sin given. But I want you to know, guys, God has incredible work for you. That's not what God desires for any of you. But there is no work for the kingdom of heaven apart from the finished work of the cross. It has to start there. You have to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. God does have an amazing name for you, but it is not apart from you taking the name and bearing the name of Christ. That is the way that you will receive this name and this fulfillment and this hope of heaven. And if you desire this hope, guys, if you want the hope of heaven, then I urge you to right now, as you're listening to this, commit your heart, commit yourself to Jesus Christ. And you will have that hope. You will have that assurance. Let's all stand. Let's pray. And Father, we delight to know that You are in control, that You are God Almighty, that nothing gets past You, that nothing reaches us that did not come through You, and that You have a plan in all these things, and You're working it for our good. You're working it to this grand scheme of of heaven, of an eternal blessing. You're, You're taking especially our trials and pain and, they're, and you're stacking them as riches in heaven. You're doing great things that we can't even see or imagine. And we all have these new names, God. We are excited to know you in a special, even more intimate way. And to understand that we are known by you to such intimate levels. And we look forward to that day, Lord God. And I, did, I just pray for those who are listening to this who have not made that commitment to you, Lord God. That they would have the wisdom to make that commitment to reach out, even now as I'm talking, that they would receive you as as Savior in their hearts. We thank you again for your word, your instructions to us. May we leave here, having listened to this message, may we leave changed. May we leave with more hope than we had before, with more excitement of heaven and what you're doing in our lives than before, with more of an anticipation of the magnitude of the work that you desire to accomplish in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, everyone. Pastor Sean here. Thanks again for listening. If you've recently given your life to the Lord, or maybe you'd like more information about how to receive Christ as your Savior, we would love to hear from you. You can email me directly at sean, S-E-A-N, at calvarytucson.com. If you've been blessed by our teaching ministry here, maybe on Reach Radio or through one of the podcast websites, we would also love to hear your feedback and hear from you. Uh, You can email me as well or contact us on our website, IgnitionTucson.com. God bless you.